and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website. If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch. You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime, or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex. That's it. That's our intro. Now, time for the show. This is our And we are recording for Contrarian's Corner for I.O. Hello, and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined as always by my co-host and friend, Julio. Julio, is this a bonus or is this a numeric episode? It's a bonus. This is uh, our November bonus. Okay. I wasn't sure where we were, if we had any numerics that we had to tack on to this. We've been bouncing all over the timeline this this month yeah we need to get back on track a little behind the scenes for you (laughs) listeners we've been recording like we've had some episodes with some guests and different friends and whatnot and we've been recording heavily out of sequence so at this point this may be coming out i don't know in 2024 i don't know what we're doing here (laughs) this movie may come out when julio and i are recording on the io uh yes who knows we are here today to discuss the 2019 Netflix original IO, directed by Jonathan Helpner, uh, written by Clay Jeter, Charles Spano, Will Bess- Bessanta. Uh, none of their names link to anything in Wikipedia, so off to a good start with that. Link to each other, though. Dude, <laughs> you needed three people working together, shoulder to shoulder. To come up with the the epic saga of the IO. That's right. And a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 33%. We'll get to that in just a moment here. This is a patron demand from one of our wonderful, beautiful patrons, Julio, who has thrown the IO space station our way, who's taken us to the post-apocalypse. Well, the IO space station is sponsored by Netflix. It's a Netflix original. So who do you think? Who? Which patron do we have that is just uh, in Netflix's pocket, so to speak? Uh, <laughs> none other than Dan Brennick, who has, I guess, started to make this a, a, a tradition, just to throw unusual Netflix sci-fi movies our way. This, I mean, Alex was what, last year that we did Extinction at his request, as he yes. demanded? Yeah. Yep. This this movie didn't have Michael Peña, but I, I mean, there are some, some similarities. Yeah, the... Netflix original sci-fi with like shit going down and a lot of running and questioning what's going to happen. So yeah, I could see there's some uh, some bleed over here. That's that's what uh, Dan gets off on. Just these uh, <laughs> these mid-budget sci-fi movies that are just done strictly for streaming. I mean, I guess so. Like this is he's been one of the patrons that like him and Brandon Curtis both have 
like a feel about their demands. <laughs> like you kind of know what's coming. And when you're watching it, you're like, yep, this is Curtis or this is Dan. So the rest of the patrons uh, keep the wild cards coming because we don't want it to get too predictable. But we know what to <laughs> expect when Dan and Curtis are up at bat. January 18th of 2019. Who's the production studio that put this out? Uh, Mandalay Pictures, Sunset Junction Entertainment, United Entertainment, Great Point Media. All right. You're familiar with Mandalay, right? I mean, you, you have to at least gotten a jolt of recognition when you saw that little tiger on, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. on the screen. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they were still around. Julio, let's get to it here. Earth is dwindling away. We got to get out of here. <laughs> here on The Contrarians, we like to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. That is our battle cry. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated, a lot of times accompanied with that logo and that expression or that uh, declaration of certified fresh. And what we'll do with that is cut that movie down to size, discuss some of the uh, maybe bad acting, questionable storytelling or screenwriting, bad soundtrack score, things maybe the critics swept under the rug. Uh, and, you know, maybe say that high and mighty rating isn't all it may seem to be. Conversely, and like we're going to do on today's episode, we'll find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is lowly rated, usually shoot around 30% and below, one of those nasty green splotches known as Rotten. And as you could guess, we build that movie up. We discuss the film's positive merit. Uh, we discuss bold storytelling choices, soundtrack score, uh, you know, creative direction or cinematography, things that we feel may have been overlooked in the process of accruing this nasty green score. Uh, we do this for two reasons. One, in a sense, to uh, say that obviously this shit is subjective. You can be as over the moon about something as you want to be uh, if you set your mind to it or as downright cynical and just nasty about something as you want to be. Uh, our buddy uh, Marty Scorsese recently, <laughs> like there was a tweet that went around where he kind of made our point for us where he said the disgusting spectacle of Rotten Tomatoes because that's kind of part of it too. We're fueled by the idea that these Rotten Tomatoes scores don't always tell the whole story and they sure as hell aren't interested in explaining, you know, why that may be or why that is. So we're kind of here to do that work for you. But that Was he talking about the Rotten Tomatoes score for Thor, Love and Thunder? I just saw the clip <laughs> isolated, you know, it's Scorsese like, and of course there's a disgusting spectacles of Rotten Tomatoes and Cinema Score. And, you know, that's just kind of <laughs> what was isolated, but... Uh, but that all comprises the first half, part one of our episodes, and we call that Contrarian's Corner. Julio, if listeners want to know how we really feel about the movies we discuss, the movies du jour, they just have to stick around for the second half, part two. That is correct. Uh, the second half of the show, aptly titled Real Talk, that's where we tell you how we really feel. We forget about the gimmick. We forget about the Rotten Tomato score. This is just about our experience watching the movie. Uh, many times, like tonight, it's a movie that we haven't seen before. We've never talked about it because we didn't even know it existed. So uh, I don't know how Alex feels about IO. He doesn't know how I feel about IO. Uh, I know how Dan feels about IO because he sent us a review. So you'll get to once we get to real talk, you'll get to uh, find out how Dan feels about it. On top of finding out our uh, thoughts about this sci-fi Netflix original, but uh, until then. We're just going to play the Contrarian's game on the first half and say really nice things about this movie because it's pretty rotten. Indeed it is. Took me a little bit to figure out the uh, lead here. Margaret Qualley. Mm -hmm. 
And I think you were telling me that's Andy McDowell's daughter, correct? That is correct. She's Andy McDowell's daughter. I knew her. Before I knew that, I just knew her as uh, one of the main uh, characters in The Leftovers, which is a fantastic TV show. Uh, And you probably recognize her from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's it. I was trying to figure it out while I was watching it, and then that came to me. So (laughs) You needed a shot of her feet before you could really make the connection. To be honest, I... It was just too smitten with Brad Pitt in that movie to really notice anyone else. So, thirty-three <laughs> percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This Netflix original certainly did not set the world on fire. Julio, what were the critics saying? Here's a handful of rotten quotes, just green splotches from the Rotten Tomatoes website. I'm going to start with Tess Cagle from the Daily Dot. You know, our friend Eddie Strait used to work for Daily Dot. Maybe he still does. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Eddie, let us know what you thought of IO. But in the meantime, Tess Cagle said. To stand out in the noise, a film must have a unique plot, feel eerily plausible, and reveal a profound truth about human nature. Unfortunately, IO doesn't accomplish any of that. I think that that is a very, very high bar to clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're saying that a movie needs to do all those things in order to, I guess, be worth your while? I mean, we just gushed over Warrior a couple episodes ago and... Uh, <laughs> And that's like the entire time we're just talking about how it's incredibly simplistic and takes the most obvious road. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it's definitely not plausible. <laughs> not at all. I don't know. Well, maybe Tess Cagle didn't like uh, Warrior either. Next, Dan Jackson from Thrillist says, Despite some lofty ideas and two talented lead actors, IO is more of the same. Uninspired storytelling that feels designed to feed the algorithm more than it nourishes your brain. The infamous algorithm. Alex, this, did IO ever show up on your Netflix page as you were browsing? No. I, like, I really, the only things I get recommended anymore are like crime shit. Because all I watch in there is like Seinfeld, and I guess Dahmer now has kind of changed the game, but <laughs> I do not remember it. It should have been in your uh, 90 Minutes or Less list. Yeah, yeah. that's. I still maintain that the people at Netflix listen to this podcast and realize that would be helpful to add that little subdivision, and uh, no, it did not show up in there. <laughs> if it did, I, I do not recall it. Well, let's close with Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight. And he says, a disappointingly average effort from Netflix. I.O. pretty much ends up being just okay. Shouldn't he have said being just I.O.K.? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that would have been clever. Yeah, Matt Hudson. That couldn't even muster the enthusiasm to do a decent pun. You know what? I I don't know. It's so hard to say what average means when you're talking about Netflix because mm-hmm. there's such a wide range of movies and shows and quality and ambition and the scope I mean I don't know it could be that just perfectly average is more than enough for a movie night uh, I guess we'll we'll find out as we yeah what would the expectations for this be because to me you know immediately a Netflix original for me my expectations are lowered so I don't know I guess people might just be too fucking picky with this. It's like, I mean, the whole idea of Netflix and chill is that the, the movie's an excuse to get some action. <laughs> so. This is Dr. Walden, transmitting on frequency 9043. The world we once called home appears to have turned against us. The fundamental principle of nature is survival. It is in our soul to seek life no matter what. 
All right. Well, IO is a film set in a post-apocalyptic present where Earth's atmosphere has become toxic. Many humans have fled the planet to live on a space station near IO, a moon of Jupiter. Sam Walden is one of the few humans remaining on Earth. She lives alone at high altitude where the air is still breathable, trying to raise bees that can survive in the atmosphere. Her intent is to use the bees to eventually clean the air via the pollination and oxygen-producing plants. Her long-distance boyfriend lives on the IO station and is continuously urging her to leave Earth. As we learn quickly, the powers that be... You know, this is not too far off in the future, so let's just say Trump is president again, and <laughs> he decides that it's time to leave. And it sounds like here when we kick off the movie that they've kind of let some people, you know, hey, if you want to stay here, that's fine. And, you know, you can, you know, we'll send some people back every once in a while. And if you want to come join us, then you're more than welcome to. Uh, but what it appears is happening here is they're like, fuck Earth, we're done. This is your last chance. So, you know, come with us if you want to, but this is it. Is that kind of an accurate reading that I'm getting? Yes. And the reason being that uh, they're going to just going from what the Margaret Qualley's internet boyfriend is telling her, uh, they've decided to focus all their resources, all their energy in exploring forward instead of keep, you know, coming back to Earth to pick up more people. <laughs> now, everything mm -hmm. is going to be uh, focused on going to, I don't know, the next planet or the next solar system or whatever, wherever they're going. Uh, they want to, you know, they want to find a new planet to colonize. And so so they're coming back to Earth one last time. There's just one last, uh, what do you call it, Exodus? Exodus is the name of the ships that are taking them, yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah, it's like now or never. And uh, so he's saying, baby... If you want us to be together, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, to get on that exodus. It's uh, fuck it before sunset, I mean, baby. You're gonna miss that exodus. <laughs> that's uh, that's Anthony Mackie <laughs> dancing and saying that line. You know, this movie, um, at the risk of kind of minimalizing it, and I don't mean to. There's some very simple things of the plot at play here. So if it seems like we're kind of generalizing, it's kind of what the movie does. Cause Sam, you know, is there and you know, we kind of, it's like a castaway type thing. You know, we except castaway was fucking two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it was. Cause we just had to, we get it. He knows how to catch fish. Now he talks to a ball. We get it. Where, Tom Hanks wants another Oscar. <laughs> yes. Whereas Sam here, we kind of see her, these experiments she's doing with bees. We see her at the beginning kind of foraging through the, the city that's nearby just for supplies or whatnot. Uh, not unlike, you know, a lot of survival video games. There's parts of this that certainly reminded me of The Last of Us. But what happens is a, a storm comes in and creates a toxic cloud that passes through where she's staying, which is like a, it looks like a, like a planetarium because she has that giant telescope, right? Mm -hmm. Some sort of, a, I guess, the remains of a, I was going to say a space station, but no, more like a, a like a science station. Planetarium, what? what observatory that's what it is there you go she's kind of got it made there but what happens is this big fucking storm comes in because again shit's wild on earth man climate change is real and it <laughs> wipes out everything that she's been working on so we see she's conducting all these experiments on herself to you know see if she can make it and she also has a greenhouse and allegedly she has a dad but mm -hmm. we, we don't see him 
you know, during this first opening. I was trying to think of how to transition into that, but you're exactly right. Her dad is a character of importance to this story because her dad is played by Danny Houston, General Stryker. And <laughs> we hear a lot of his voice and his studies, and we see some clips of him on television. And Julio, he's like um, like a denier. Like he said, no, Earth is going to be fine to live in. He And he basically... <laughs> tries to persuade people away from leaving. Is it, Am I reading too much into that? Because that seems like what he was. No, no, he is, I mean, in a way, he is, you know, further down in the movie, Anthony Mackie basically puts the blame on him, on, on Danny Houston, for the fact that he stayed. He's like, I believed your dad when he said that we were going to be okay. He's saying that the planet will adapt, that this is not the end, right? And that's the whole point of his experiments, of Danny Houston's experiments, is that he's going to find a way for human beings and living things to to make it through, I guess, to mutate enough to where they can just live in this new environment that Earth has created. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I can draw parallel to... Is, is there somebody like that, like, in the world today? Like, is there anybody in the world that's like, that's okay, we'll just adapt? I guess climate change deniers kind of have that position, right? They're like, oh, this just happens, and humanity will prevail. Like Trump said, it'll cool down. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. It's, we'll it figure just goes it out. up and down. It's okay. I mean, that's what a lot of fucking COVID deniers were, is like immune systems. They'll be fine. Nothing bad will happen. That type Look, of thing. some people will die, but eventually <laughs> everything levels and uh, it, it's all good. Danny Houston is like dead serious, though, in those interviews that we see on TV. He's not fucking around. <laughs> no. Yeah. He's like on Good Morning, wherever the fuck they are. I'm just like... Do not leave. You <laughs> you owe me money. <laughs> it's like, this does not work if everybody leaves, and it's just me and my daughter in the planet. I need more hands to work the, the tills. Now, Alex, it's a shame that you haven't seen The Martian yet. Uh, Ridley Scott's The Martian, this epic where uh, Matt Damon finds himself stranded on planet Mars. I still need to see that. You're right. We will do it on the show at some point. The, the, the big ask is that it's like two and a half hours. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to spoil a little bit of it for you because it's relevant to the discussion here. And that is that uh, the, the whole setup of the movie is that Matt Damon, you know, he's on a mission to Mars. Everybody leaves him behind for things that happen. And so it, now it's just him on Mars by himself. And he's a scientist. So he has to basically figure out a way to survive until somebody can come back for him and rescue him. And so a lot of the movies, just Matt Damon talking to the camera, just recording his video logs as he explains what he's doing to survive. You know, he's like, today I'm making potatoes and, you know, this kind of stuff. It's like... Not unlike uh, Will Ferrell as Dr. Rick Marshall in Land of the Lost. He has some, like, <laughs> captain's logs like that. There you go. Damon logs. Um, which is kind of amusing, but it grows old really quickly because you're like, all right, enough of Matt Damon just yapping away, just make things happen. And it was so refreshing to have a similar scenario here where it's just Margaret Qualley doing science, taking care of business, but she doesn't feel the need to really talk nonstop and be a blabbermouth for minutes on end. It's just, we just see her working through her routine every day. Every now and then she'll record something of note, something that actually needs to be said but she's not out there putting on a stand-up routine or anything you know she's just doing the work and that that actually makes it feel like it has a little more weight than the what Matt Damon does in The Martian which is just basically him putting on a show 
so I was able to appreciate that. I was like, and also the fact that she doesn't have these long monologues while she's by herself really helps you cut down on the runtime of the movie. You know, like I said, The Martian is two hours and 20 minutes, and at least an hour and 20 minutes of that is just Matt Damon talking to the camera, <laughs> explaining what he's doing. Ridley Scott could have learned a little from the three guys that wrote this movie. So what do you make of Danny Houston here? A little bit of uh, rattlesnake venom will get you type thing, because he's used very sparingly. And, you know, to kind of jump ahead, it's all in a past tense because he's <laughs> yes. no longer in the present. Um, did you, I guess, before you knew it was Danny Houston, did you have an expectation about who the dad was going to be? Or did you know right away that that was Danny Houston? I thought that was supposed to be like implied right away that it was Danny Houston. That was her dad. Uh, my thing immediately started going like, okay, is he like some crazy like cult leader that we're gonna find like he lives underground and he's like trying to keep people away or i was not expecting him to show up wearing a fedora uh that (laughs) that was insane um but yeah i kind of clung to or accepted he was the father quickly but then my mind went to okay well what's the the payoff to this gonna be what what's what's his deal sanus if there was a discovery a miracle discovery I would have found it. He's such a strong presence. Uh, nothing against Margaret Qualley or Anthony Mackie, but I, I really, this is one of those things where it's for the best that he only gets, I don't know, five minutes screen time total because he would have just upstaged them. You know, he's just, he's too strong. You got to be careful with how you, how you cast Danny Houston. I always associate him with uh, evil characters, even though I'm sure he's played normal people. <laughs> He mm-hmm. has a long career, but you know he's in uh, Children of Men. He's in uh, yeah. What's that? Uh, is this Wrath of the Titans? That's the second one, right? What's the first one? Clash, Clash of, Titan. of the Titans. Yeah, yeah, he's in Clash of the Titans. I think he's one of the evil gods. I I just see him. He's in I think the first Wonder Woman. You know, he, you can never trust him. <laughs> he's always a bad dude. And uh, in this movie, I mean, yes, he he kind of, I guess accidentally inadvertently caused the death of a bunch of people but in the end that at least he's somewhat noble he 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 has you know good intentions and mm-hmm. uh it, it's easier to buy that if you only see him for you know a few minutes i don't know that i could buy an entire movie of danny houston being a good guy uh did you see it coming that he was going to be dead no i was i mean i will give it 50 50 i wasn't sure like my note says where's the dad who's the dad <laughs> <laughs> then who's the dad was answered and then where's the dad uh, became clear soon after but i around the time that uh anthony mackie showed up i figured that something wasn't right because at first i thought okay maybe he's just like she said out there exploring but then she was being really cagey about his whereabouts so yeah and um, then she eventually admits to anthony mackie that he's my dad and then he's kind of like no way like really sarcastically <laughs> so I mean, what what were the alternatives that uh, he was her much older boyfriend? (laughs) Well, no, because we have the, is it Elon, fittingly enough? Yep, fittingly enough, uh, Elon turns out to be a complete douchebag. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Real asshole. The guy that's on uh, IO. And yeah, before we get to our male lead, let's go ahead and talk about Elon here, because he's the romantic interest who you want to talk about a long distance relationship they're like multiple light years away from each other you know a million miles away that type of shit they've never met right that's right so how did this happen what was the the, how was first contact (laughs) 
is like AOL chat match.com Twitter like in the dying days of Twitter <laughs> yes they both bought a blue check mark hey <laughs> we collectively spent $16 on our love here we go you know Bosley type thing a tried and true trope here where we have just the voice and we don't see what the the you know in this case the boyfriend looks like but it's kind of like omnipresent throughout the entire thing what we do see who he looks like is Micah this kind of weary traveler, this journeyman that stumbles upon her land there in a, you know, kind of a fashioned uh, hot air balloon that's like enclosed. It's Anthony Mackie, a gaunt Anthony Mackie, <laughs> much, much different than the last time we saw him here on The Contrarians where he was just fucking <laughs> juiced to the gills. To me, he just looks weird because he doesn't have any wings because he's the Falcon. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Anthony Mackie, a leading man to you? You, you buy him as a leading man? See, my my first instinct is to say, I don't see why not, but I am struggling to come up with a, like a leading man role for Anthony Maggie. I guess we'll find out. I, I, I know I just brought up the MCU and it put you in a bad mood, but I have to do it again because, I mean, he's the next Captain America movie stars him. You know, he's the new Captain America, mm-hmm. so he uh, he's going to have to carry that bad boy on his own. That's the ultimate test. If he can't do it, then... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I guess that's it. That's the end of the Anthony Mackie experiment. But what's his story here? He came to find Dr. Harry Walden, correct? He came to find Danny Houston? Yes, because uh, Margaret Qualley has been broadcasting these uh, tapes <laughs> of, uh, of Danny Houston, uh, his greatest hits. I think this is like in uh, Terminator Salvation when they, when they just play the recordings of uh, Christian Bale giving his inspirational speeches to the troops. Uh, same thing here. It's just Danny Houston talking about how humanity will prevail or whatever. And uh, He's planning on leaving and getting on the exodus, but first he wants to talk to Danny Houston. Yeah, and we don't know why at first, but eventually we find out it's because I guess he wants to tell him that his wife died and it was his fault, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, a, we, sh- we shouldn't have stayed, but you made us stay. He's like a someone you know who bought into all of Alex Jones's shit. Now is up shit creek without a paddle. So he's like, I just want to look him in the eye and tell him, "Fuck you." <laughs> exactly. Want to look him in the eye and say, "I think you suck, sir." <laughs> and then for shame, he's out of luck though, because he gets there and all he finds is Margaret Qualley and her bees. A lot of uh, work to do. She's yeah, she initially claims that her dad's like out conducting field experiments and you know, he's just oh dad, you know, he'll be back in a fortnight, that type of thing. But Anthony Mackie, in one of my favorite moments in the movie, like sees her bring in a bowl of tomatoes and lettuce and just his like physical and <laughs> facial reaction to it. I mean, this is something we talk about in all these post apocalyptic movies. Like the you know, you just be eating fucking gruel or whatever you can get your hands on i can't even imagine what he's eating so just to see like a juicy ripe tomato the way his face lights up and the way he sells it when he eats a radish he's just like it's like almost (laughs) orgasmic it's a really really great scene with anthony mackie because he you know he's he's like you have fresh vegetables he he thinks he's hallucinating at first but she explains you know she has a greenhouse and it's a it's a really good scene the way he eats that salad you know what i've you've convinced me he can't lead a movie it's all about how you eat in movies and i mean that like half jestingly if you can eat convincingly in a mo- uh, brad pitt and moneyball yep. the way he just like houses <laughs> that twinkie i'm just like 
this guy, this is why he's the, that's why he's number one. That's why he's the man. <laughs> but he continuously reminds Sam that they're going to be heading out for uh, Exodus to get the fuck out of there before too long. But eventually she fesses up that her dad is dead, that he died uh, and that she buried him next to her mother. Uh, we get this in through like a flashback scene where, uh, again, Danny Houston in a fedora shows up and it's kind of like a dream because eventually he says, you know, well, I can't do any of that because I'm dead. And that's kind of how we, the audience, learn. Because at first he's talking like, oh, he's going to be like psychotic and leading her astray here. Uh, you know, like fucking um, Guy Pierce and Prometheus or something. But no, it just turns out that he, he died. Oh, and before he died, he he basically said, I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Which is makes it even worse. Yeah, he was just like, so before I go, just need to let you know, uh, you should probably get off this planet, get off this rock. You're you're gonna die too. This is followed up with Micah saying, you know, well, we're gonna get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna take you with me, and she goes to tell uh, Elon, you know, I'm coming up so we can finally be together, that type of thing, and then he responds by saying. Okay, but I'm about to go on this expedition. It's a 10-year voyage that we're going to be, uh, you know, orbiting this planet to study it and see if it's habitable. And she please write obviously, back to me to tell me that you forgive me <laughs> before I T-T-Y-L. go. Ttyl. <laughs> and she obviously is very crushed by this. It leads to this kind of interesting choice where yep, let's talk about she, this, Alex. <laughs> She chooses to kind of like shower with the door cracked and, you know, the phrase temptations of the flesh definitely is uh, comes to mind here as she appears to be, you know, wanting the attention of Anthony Mackie as as a, a male, as a man. And she makes a move on him, goes up to, you know, kiss him. And he initially kind of declines and pulls away and she says we have to and he said um <laughs> what do you make of that what 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 is we have to as in like this has to happen because otherwise we are what we're disrespecting nature <laughs> is that what she well, said first i i forgot to mention because he pulls away and says i can't and i'm like holy shit they're following up on his character from pain and gain where you know he has ed but <laughs> <laughs> But he explains, you know, I can't. And she says, we have to. So I think it's like her way of saying, uh, despite the fact that getting pregnant isn't always this easy, she says it in a way of like, we have to continue the human race. Don't underestimate the power of human connection. That's all there is. There is no bigger meaning. Just human connection. Okay, so because that that crossed my mind, and I was like, no, oh, there's no way that that's what she means because, like, she's putting a lot of trust on uh, Anthony Mackie's seed, which mm. you know by the end of the movie, I guess it turns out to be, uh, you know, she was right. <laughs> but still, you're right. I mean, that makes the most sense out of like, why would you say that? I don't know. It's it's an interesting conundrum because before this, Alex, how old did you think that Margaret Qualley was in the? In the, in this story, like not the actress, but like, because I felt I, I thought that she was pretty young. I thought that she was just you know, like before the scene, I thought that she could be maybe even like a teenager, you know, just like a very bright teenager that had been like indoctrinated in the ways of science. Uh, mm-hmm. And then slowly, I guess I realized that no, it's just that she acts 
kind of innocent because the whole idea is that she grew up in this world of she grew up in the post-apocalyptic world unlike Anthony Mackie who grew up before the apocalypse happened <laughs> and now you know he looks even older because he's gone through you know that transition kind of reaffirming to me though he grows as shitty of a beard as I do <laughs> that's what happens in the in the after times it's yeah. just there's no time to to make it look good uh but anyway it it's just weird because you know I was not expecting the movie to go in that romantic direction with these two characters because in my mind when when they first were introduced and everything I thought okay he's going to be a mentor to her you know because he just seemed like he was older it, he came across as much older and she came across as much younger but then it was just one of those things where you know once the movie kind of like did the setup I'm like okay I understand now it's She's actually older than uh, that I originally perceived her as, and he is, you know, he's not completely dead inside, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. He's a, he eventually lets himself be convinced, but now compare his reaction I to- I could believe that she's like 20 and he's 30 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now compare his reaction to the juicy tomato and his reaction to Margaret Qualley coming out of the shower. <laughs> like, what was, what was stronger? The sexual desire of a man is probably- you know, kind of muted or at least diminished in times like that. So uh, I I could get that if someone like, all right, if I lived in a time where I just had to eat like rocks and shit and I (laughs) didn't know everyone I loved was dead and I didn't really know what, you know, next, the next day would bring, if anything, I probably would react more strongly to like a steak than (laughs) sex. But sex, still sex. It's still sex. Perfect time <laughs> for that. So they have sex. She she seduces him successfully. He doesn't put up much of a fight. I was about to say, it's not too much work for her. Anthony Mackie says no once. Yeah. And then he's like, okay. Uh, they, they, they cuddle next to a telescope. Now that shit's romantic. <laughs> I'd be a big fan of that. Yeah. They're talking about constellations. No, she's showing him where where Io is, right? That's what mm-hmm. she's doing. The perfect pillow talk. He's got that like post coitus smile and like glow about him, where he's just kind of like, <laughs> "All right, I just kind of want to lay down." <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of the all time David Tell jokes, where he talks about you always get caught masturbating, you never get caught right after you're done masturbating when you're watching TV and playing air guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, Falcon just wants to, uh, he just wants to take a nap, and she's, like, pointing at the sky and going, like, that's where my old boyfriend lives. That's right. See up there? That's why that just happened. <laughs> we learned the next morning that the Exodus that they were heading towards has a mechanical failure, so they've their coordinates have been repositioned. They have to go to another one. That's 26 hours away, and they were going to travel by his, uh, you know, his hot air balloon device. And that's not going to work. He doesn't have enough helium to get that far. And, of course, he's rightly pissed and concerned about this and then brings this to the attention of um, Sam and explains, you know, I believe I'm cursed. And then he breaks a jar and his hand's bleeding. And he's he's really worked up, really upset about this. And this leads into, is this his Oscar clip where he explains mm-hmm. what happened? Yeah. He, he unloads his backstory. Uh, and then he says, thank you. For your consideration. You want to know why I really came here? Huh? 
Your father told us to stay on Earth. I saw dozens of people starve to death because of him. Because he gave us hope. This is pretty fucked up, dude. I mean, I, I applaud the movie for kind of embedding this little very disturbing story in the middle of a bigger narrative. But the, the idea that he had a wife and they both decided to stay. They could have left, but they decided to stay because they they heard uh, Danny Houston on the internet, on on Spotify, and they decided to, to buy what he was selling. So they stayed and it, was, it got really bad and his wife got really sick and they had some food put away. And Anthony Mackie says that, well... The food wasn't going to make her any better. It was just going to make her last a little longer, but she wasn't getting any better. And I had to survive. So so he yeah. just ate all the food <laughs> instead of sharing it with his wife. And then his wife died. And then he said, I'm going to go get that son of a bitch before I get an exodus because it's all his fault. That's rough. You know, that's mm-hmm. you find out that that's Anthony Mackie's big secret that he he let his wife die of starvation. That's a pretty shitty thing to do. I mean, I understand that's uh, he was in an extreme position, uh, but it's a, it's a hell choices of a, were made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it definitely says a lot about his character. It says a lot about Margaret Qualley's character that she just goes, "I get it, man. <laughs> Let's go get some helium." Yeah, that's basically it. She's just like, all right, is that it? Uh, obviously, people have done far worse in those times. So, yeah, they head out to pick up some helium. It's, a, like I said, kind of whatever the closest town is. They head down. They spend the night there with their gas masks on and head back the next day. Uh, they're packed up. And a little bit earlier when they were using the telescope, uh, Sam had said, you know, before we go, I want to see this art exhibit. And so she says, I'll be back. Uh, you know, I have something I got to do. And he says, we leave in one hour. He's very stern about that. So she goes down and checks out this art exhibit. There's, you know, it's kind of, I think, everything she thought it was going to be and everything she wants to see. So uh, she's pleased with it. Anthony Mackey comes to kind of wrangle her up and say, you know, it's fucking time to go. And this is where we get like her. I don't want to. I'm, I'm not fucking leaving that. uh <laughs> That moment from her, she just can't do it. You know, her parents died there, and she wants to believe that her dad's work and all the work they did meant something. And uh, she explains, you know, I keep having this dream where, you know, I light my lighter and my flame's purple, and I can take off my helmet and everything's fine. That type of thing. And Anthony Mackie is like, I I've keep having this dream where we get off this planet and we get to have sex again. So please, <laughs> just stop fucking like, around. Come with me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's get the fuck out of here. That type of thing. And so she goes with it though. She lights her lighter, and she's what she says something like, you know, if I live, tell people it's safe here. Something to that effect. And she takes her mask off and begins breathing. He begins freaking out. She kind of collapses into his arms and keeps reaffirming, "It's okay, it's okay." And then we cut to uh, Anthony Mackie still in his mask, taking the. Uh, he's either in his hot air balloon or he's made it to the Exodus and, you know, he's heading out. And then we close the film with a a voiceover from Sam who says, you know, shit's fine here. Come on back. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Micah. My father loved the T.S. Eliot quote. 
we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. She uh, explains, you know, that, again, this could be a dream. Who knows? The, this, the ambiguity of the, the ending to this movie is mind-boggling. But we see her on the beach. She's made it to the beach because she had never been there before. She always wanted to know if there were still any animals living there. But she's living. And she's explaining, you know, once this reaches you, please explain that it's safe to come back and that we're waiting for you here. And then a little kid runs into the frame. A little Anthony comes Mackie. In, yeah, he kind of comes into focus through the fog. And it's at this point we learn that Anthony Mackie's seed is that powerful. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> One shot Mackie. <laughs> she, she, knew, uh, she knew what she was doing. But the important thing, the takeaway here is that, come on back, guys. We're good to go. <laughs> yes. Come help rebuild. I mean, this doesn't exactly come out of nowhere. There, there is one key scene when they're getting ready to, when they're packing up. Anthony Mackie finds one of the bees has survived the the storm or yes, whatever. Yes, I did gloss over that. Good one. Yeah, and and that's you know they look at her and they look at the bee and they they figure out like holy shit she she mutated and now she she has adapted basically to the to the planet. So the idea is that in her the course of her expeditions, Margaret Qualley also has mutated. So. That's cool. I mean, it, in a way, it she proved her father right. Like, Daddy Houston was right. Eventually, humanity will mutate. But I, I, I guess, and this would be something that the sequel would have to explore, right? Like, in order to mutate, you have to be on Earth for a while. It's not that you just come back and now you can breathe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. she mutated because she was on Earth for all these years, kind of slowly exposing herself to the new environment. All the people from Io, they can't just come back and start building houses or whatever. They're going to have to, you know, go through the process, uh, which is fine. I mean, you know, at least there's hope and that's that's the whole point of it. Uh, I just, I could have used one final shot of Margaret Qualley just looking at the camera and going, Science! It works. It's the bees. I mean, <laughs> that's been parodied to death, though. So, God, I can't even keep it up anymore. It's just the fucking Prometheus ending. But uh, <laughs> do you think Anthony Mackie knows that he has a son back on Earth? I mean, he knows there's a good chance. It doesn't look like condoms were around or birth control was still prevalent. It's not like he could fucking walk down to Walgreens and pick up a plan B the next morning. So... <laughs> I think he knows it's a possibility. I think in his mind, though, he's like, I'm like on the other end of the galaxy. I don't have to worry about child support being taken out of my paycheck. I asked her to come with me several times. She decided to stay. All right. I did my part. This is on you, woman. All right. Well, that was I.O., Alex, uh, when we started was. this, uh, I thought that this would be a shorter episode even than Rocky, but I think that we <laughs> we did okay. All right, we got you know when this is edited down, forty four minutes out of uh, Contrarian's Corner. Yeah, not quite the hour and forty that we had on Warrior, but you know <laughs> we uh, we we made it work. Yeah, yeah, but it all balances out. It's just like the like Planet Earth. <laughs> You know, we That's get right. the, the long episodes to combine with the shorter episodes. It all adds up to, to the same amount. So how did we feel really? How did we really feel about IO and how did Dan feel about IO? Well, you'll find out during Real Talk. Let's hop on the Exodus. And when we get off, it's time for some Real Talk. 
that song. 